Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Benny Nachman. Benny, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Happy to be here, man. Thank you for inviting me. It's been, uh, we've had a little chat off camera before we we hit the record button and uh, kind of did a little reminiscing and, and geographically of places we, we've been and, and together. But Benny, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. It's my favorite subject. So uh, <laughs> uh, you can hear from my accent. Well, you couldn't hear from my accent, but normally, so some people can hear from my accent that I was, uh, I was born and raised in Israel. I've been here in the U.S. for about 15 years, a little bit in Canada before, spent some time in London as well. Um, I was an attorney by profession. I always ask people, don't hold it against me. I haven't practiced in, in many, many years. But when I did, I did a little bit of corporate law and, and some banking law. But I think at heart, what I am is uh, I'm an entrepreneur. And that's, that's my passion. It's always been my passion. I had a, a small company when I was in law school, when I was a kid. It was my first kind of foray into the startup world and it's in the, it was in the education space. It was uh, teaching people SATs and GMAT. I used to teach SATs. Uh, so that's how I got that. Um, but so what, what happened is that I, uh, you know, I finished law school and I, and I started practicing and, and, and through my practice, I got introduced to the FinTech world when it was not even called FinTech yet. Mm. It was uh, early 2000s and, um, one of my clients was a company that was uh, what today is referred to as a PSP, a payment service provider. And they mm -hmm. were a gateway. They had a software that connects merchants to, uh, to, to banks. And this is really when kind of e-commerce started really roaring back or, or maybe right. even starting to really take off because, you know, it was, it started very slowly and, you know, when the dot-com kind of bubbled right. burst and, and everything died it's down. About that time, yeah. Kind of, yeah. But then in around 2002, three, it started kind of rising up again and technology became a little bit better and more, and more secure. So that's when I got involved and it started to my client. And uh, over the next few years, like from 2003, 2006, I got more and more involved and I, um, I, I started doing business development for, for that PSP. Mm -hmm. And in 2006, we sold to our biggest client. And at this point, I'm already here in the U.S. Well, not here now, in the East Coast. I was I was living in California, in Silicon Valley, and I, you know, basically became unemployed. So nice unemployed, you know, I made some money, mm -hmm. but yeah, but exit, still, most people don't I, consider I, exits unemployed. But yeah, oh, I, I, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't really an exit. It wasn't that big of an amount, and I was a super small shareholder. I didn't mm. make a lot of money. Um, it was more for the experience, but mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I just like, I found myself in a place that I wasn't sure what to do next. Do right. I go back to become a, an attorney? Do I go, I, I had an offer to join McKinsey. But from here and there, you know, I started thinking to myself as, as often happens to me, how can I do this better than those other idiots that don't understand? Um, that is so, a true entrepreneur. <laughs> of course, that's like that's what everybody. That's exactly right. So you know, it's it's so funny. I, I often talk about this with my wife. Is that now I'm old enough to know that it's not true, meaning that I don't know better than other people. Mm -hmm. So intellectually, I know it, but I still believe it. 
you know it's a it's it's kind of a, it's, it's a paradox but um so i started thinking to myself if i could have a payments company but without the dependency on the acquiring banks so part of my what i did uh, for that company is that i i was helping the relationships between between the company between the gateway or the psp and the acquiring banks that were in our right. in our back end and one of the things that i saw is that how how old fashioned how really legacy the platforms were mm. and how legacy the banks were in their thought in the yep. way that they understood and all of this is around online so in the physical point of sale world when you go to somewhere to a restaurant or a gas station whatever it is and you physically there and you pay with your card it's all good like you know it works the, the systems are good it's all good but when it came time for online it wasn't really it, it wasn't that that high that high level and I started thinking to myself if I could find a way to do this but without needing the big banks and it was very naive very childish almost uh, so I started a company called Credoax and uh, that was 2007 and I uh, you know I I started and I kind of rolled with it and um, I was uh, the founder and the CEO until 2016. In wow, 2016, that's a good run. I, that's that's it, nine, years, nine or 10 years, yeah. So I'm still involved. So I'm today the chairman of the board. I'm still quite a large shareholder and our company has been very successful. We were very lucky. And, what was the name um, of the company again? Credorax, C-R-E-D-O-R-A-X from okay. Credo, which is in Latin having fate right and 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 racks which is in old english uh bringing your your hand forward like to shake hands okay um and um so today we employ about 330 people something like that uh, we have bank licenses all over the world so from not wanting to depending on on other banks side we 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 started our own uh, we serve thousands of merchants. We we do billions of dollars of processing. We probably do more than ten billion uh, of processing volume this year. Uh, so, company has been very very nice and successful. In 2016, I took kind of a, again a, I, I left the day to day management. Again, mm -hmm. I'm the chairman of the board, so I'm still involved, but not not on a daily basis. Right. And um. And, you know, and I took some time off. And again, I found myself after a year or so bored and saying, okay, what now? So after I swore that I'm never going to start another startup and <laughs> promised my wife that I'm not going to do that in, in the middle of 2017 or towards the end of 2017, really, um, I started again. And um, this company is called Jasby, mm -hmm. J-A-S-S-B-Y. And it's still a fintech. But it's it's very different from Credorax. So we are more into the issuing, and we are more into helping families, and we are uh, more into consumer, or completely into consumer. And the aim is to help bring financial literacy to to the youth in the United States and to families in the United States. And I I sometimes I tell people I want to bring the gospel of financial literacy, which which I think is something that we need. So. It was a very long-winded answer. No, I, absolutely. I, and I mean, you you kind of combine my next couple of questions and so, one yeah, answer. Exactly. No problem yeah. at all. But I, yeah. yeah, because I think that the pieces fit together. I mean, it was there was no point that you could have just said, okay, well, okay, I'm going to stop now and pick up later because it was a continuous 
you know, kind of a rolling timeline, you know, that, yes. that you've dealt with. But so, so tell me what learnings, what um, pain points that you brought from your previous company into Jasby, or because it's it's in still in the fintech space, but yes. and it's still in the payment kind of you know online financial you know zone, but it is there is a there's a big difference between the two yes. companies. And so, what was the what was that kind of light bulb moment that you, you woke up, you know, a year later after you exited or after you stepped down and said, wow, you know, children need financial literacy. Families need help with this. What was the, what was the itch you were trying to scratch? So a lot of it was very personal and, and it wasn't as, as often, at least with me, I rarely have a, a moment of epiphany where like I said, okay, it's more a process there as well. So it started, uh, like I think a lot of things, uh, from from something very personal. So I'm, uh, you know, I have two boys and three dogs, but <laughs> we talk about the boys. Uh, I have two boys who are now um, 10 and 12. And because of my job, so, you know, I, for, for, for this long time, uh, I was running a bank. So I was starting a bank and running a bank. And it, it's an interesting and it's not a regular bank, Redox is not, because we don't serve the public. You, there's no branches. You can't walk in and open a bank account. So right. it's very specific. It's very targeted. It's very business. It's very uh, processing and connectivity with Visa and MasterCard and pipes. And it's not easy sometimes to understand even the terminology acquiring bank. It's like most mm -hmm. people don't know what it is. And mm -hmm. rightly so, why would they? So. So two things have, would happen. One is that uh, because I think of my job, we always spoke about banking and money and cards and credit cards and stuff right. like that at home. So my kids grew up around this, right? And I used to travel a lot, I mean, like crazy. Mm -hmm. And every time I would come back and as they were growing up, they would ask me, so dad, like, you know, where you've been, what you did. And, and I would tell them I was in London for a meeting with Visa. I was in New York for a meeting with Mastercard. Like I would talk to them. And mm -hmm. so we always spoke about money and banking and stuff like that. But um, my neighbors, our friends, my my kids' friends, uh, you know, as again, as, as people, as my kids were growing up, I started being more involved in their, in their sports activities and right. I was coaching the football team. So I got a lot more, yeah. you know, involved with the community and people would always ask me, so what it is that you do? And after a while, I, I got like, it's difficult to explain. So I would say something like I run a credit card company, like something very vague. Mm -hmm. And people were very interested that when they heard credit card, it was yep. always a point Visa of like, MasterCard. okay, you, <laughs> yeah, right. I want to I talk about that. So it was interesting that the more I spoke to people, the more I understood that the vast majority of households, um, money is not a subject that is discussed, like at all. Okay. But... So, you know, okay, this is my kids, you know, again, as they were growing up and going to the school system, I was wondering when are they going to start talking about money in school? And I don't know, when kindergarten, obviously it's too young. And first grade, I said, okay, it's too young. And second grade is too young, but my oldest now is in middle school and I'm still waiting. So around that time when I took like kind of a year off, I started asking myself, you know, like, how come? How come nobody's talking about this? And, and it's, it's strange. So I started looking into it and I found out that in the vast majority of states in the United States, money is not a subject that schools are talking right. about. Right. I have some theories on why, but it doesn't matter for now. They're just not. Mm -hmm. 
And at around the same time, so for a few years, you know, I had a deal with my kids that uh, every Sunday morning I give them a few dollars. It started, I think, when my, my older was in first grade. And I never had, you know, so half the time I forget, or I wasn't home, or I don't know. The other half of the time, I didn't have $3 on me. Mm -hmm. I had 20, but not three, right. or, or, yep. you know. Uh, and the other half of the time, I know it's the third half. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, something else would happen. And even when I did remember, when they actually wanted something, they would want a video game or some some app in the on the tablet or stuff like that. And the cash wouldn't help, so they would come to me with those crumbled, you know, one dollar bills and say, "Hey, Dad, like you know, here I give you some money if you if you buy this." Buy it game. was all very awkward. So I started asking myself, "Okay, it's not easy giving them allowance. It's not easy for them to use it, and nobody's talking about money. The whole thing, like, it's super strange." Mm. And I started doing some market research, um, again, out of curiosity more than anything at the beginning. And I found out that kids over the last 15 years have a lot more free cash, but not really any good way of how do you use it. And more than anything, I started learning that what I, again, kind of anecdotally saw that nobody's talking about money is a major crisis in the US, not only, but the US is really, right. really not in a good place. Right. Um, and, and you know, it really bothered me because I think that's that's one of the things that we, we really, really don't do well by our kids. We spend so much time and effort and money and energy teaching them all kinds of things that they're never ever gonna use in their life the minute they set foot out of school but nobody's ever talking to them about money. Right. Then we are shocked, right? They go to college, they're 18, they apply for a credit card that they know nothing about, they pay APR, which they don't understand what it means or how to calculate <laughs> it. And then shock, five years later, or maybe sooner, they're deep into debt that they have no never gonna how. be able to yeah. pay. Yeah. And all of this is not their fault. We've mm. never told them anything about it. Yeah. So it's just stupid. So I started saying to myself, you know, that, that doesn't make any sense. So how do we make it better? So this is how Jasby started. I love, I mean, that's the, that's kind of the, the financial transfer side. Is there not a, also a component about like a reward side, like you do chores, we can, yes. you know, you, you earn so much money. So it, it's not just teaching them necessarily financial responsibility. It also teaches them like the hard work and a work ethic. And, a, you know, you, you have to work to earn the money to afford to buy these things. Like, you know, you said your son came and handed you a crumpled pile of bills and said, I want a video game. He had no idea that it took 45 of those crumpled you know, $1 bills to make a video game. And, you know, it's, I, I was kind of looking through the, the app online and, and also doing, watching another video that, or interview that you had done. And you kind of talked about that side of the, of the equation as well, that, you know, there are a lot of kids now that have no concept of the value of money. You know, that's, uh, I mean, my, my degrees in economics, I mean, that's, they, they have no idea what it means to, you know, how do you, it's this cost benefit analysis, you know, you've got to do as an adult type thing. So speaking of that a little bit about, are there lessons that you're, you tried to inherently build into the app as well? Yes. So I, I want to make something clear because, so one, this is not, um, this is not a non-profit, you know? This is, so the, 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 the aim of Jasby is to be a, a successful, profitable company. 
Right. This is not just an altruistic gesture. Right. I, I think it's a, it's a combination of both. So here's what we do. What we do is that we say we connect kids and teens, really first grade till end of high school, anywhere in between, and their parents and also their grandparents, by the way, especially in this time. So we started this last year. Um, you know, travel is, is a little bit more difficult and mm -hmm. sometimes because of health concerns. So we, we really want to make sure that the, the grandparents are kind of hooked up into the family as well. Right. And the idea is that the adults would give money to the kids and the give money is whatever works for your family. So I see really three ways that the that, that families, you know, manage money. And one is that, so some people would say, hey, um, you get an allowance and allowance is either weekly or monthly. There's almost no in between. And that's it. Some would say, in um, the chores in that, so in most families we hear that, and, and people tell us that they do do chores, but if you get a, let's say a weekly allowance, then chores are expected because you live here and we're not gonna reward you per chore or pay you right. per chore. Right. Right? Other families say, we don't do the allowance game, but everything that you do will reward you. So the more you do, the more you get. Um, I have to tell you that, us personally, like in, in my family, my wife and I, what we do is we do some sort of an in-between, which I see a lot of people do. So we do pay them, um, the older one a monthly, the younger one a weekly uh, allowance. And, and, and the chores are expected because you live here. Yep. So you feed the dogs because you're, they're, they're your dogs too. But if there is an unusual chore um, that's outside like the regular weekly things, then, then we'll reward you for it separately. So... Once in a while, they help me wash the car, right? That's not a mm -hmm. normal, I'm, I'm not sure that's exactly their job, you know? So for that, I'll, I'll help them. If they help me clean the backyard after the winter, stuff right. like that, right? So from time to time, uh, we'll do you know, we'll do something, something more. And then uh, the kids can do a few things. So they can technically, they can save money. They can donate to charity. We work with a list of mm. uh, nationwide charities. Yeah, because yeah, uh, one of the things that were important to me understanding that not everybody is as, as lucky as you are. And, you know, most of us in the United States are very lucky. Um, I think giving back is something super important. So mm -hmm. I wanted to give the opportunity to do that. And third, that they can shop. And they can shop, we offer an in-app shop. We call it the Jasby shop. And you can find it at shop.jasby.com. And we offer a lot of things that teens like from I don't know, video games, some fashion, some accessories for, um, for tech, some tech, stuff like that. But also we offer a debit card. So we partnered with MasterCard to offer a virtual debit card. And then you can use it anywhere that MasterCard is accepted, which is everywhere, right? So those are the things that they can do. But there is something very deep that, that, that happens and that's around financial literacy. And we're actually, so our plan is literally in the next month, and this is, we talk at the end of March 21. So let's say in May, maybe a little bit over a month, we're gonna launch a, 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 a range of new features, which are gonna be even more in focusing on financial literacy. So rewarding you for good behavior. For example, mm -hmm. you know, I said before the gospel of financial literacy, you know, we do very poorly in this country around financial literacy. If you look at the ranking of the United States compared to uh, the world, um, 
all the countries in the world, we are ranked below Botswana in Africa. Okay, so like we're not doing well. <laughs> I, I don't mean to insult Botswana. I'm sure it's a wonderful place, but but you know what I mean. Right. Okay. There's nothing to write home about saying, hey, we're doing well. We're not. And everybody that ever talks about financial literacy, it's always in the negative, like like I just did, right? Oh, how bad we're doing, it's horrible, our kids are stupid, they don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, that I think my message is, is one, our kids are actually super smart. And if we don't talk to them about money, it's our fault, not theirs. Mm -hmm. And the good news, and here's the good news, the good news about financial literacy is that it's actually not that difficult. And one, and, and you can do a series of very, very simple steps and easy steps, and not that many of them, and you can do so much better. So I'll give you an example. Open a savings account and start saving. That's not difficult. And you don't need to save a lot of money. You don't need to be Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, or I don't know whom I always use Warren Buffett. Uh, you know, start saving a dollar a week. I, and, and don't tell me that you can because I don't believe you. If your right. son has a phone, so to use the app, you can save a dollar a week as, as the kid, you know, exactly. and then go to $5 a week and go to $10 a week. Because again, and data showed, and not only the US, by the way, across the world, that one of the main differentiator between people who are successful financially, I mean, and people who are less is savings. Are you saving or not? It's so easy. Yep. It's, it's so binary, by the way. It's right. yes, no. Right. Uh, investing. Stuff and the amount like doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Start the habit. Yeah. Start the pattern of behavior. That's what I'm saying. When mm -hmm. your kid is in the second grade, start saving a buck a week. That's it. Yep. And then the next year, start saving three. And the next year, five. But by the time they reach middle school, it's ingrained in them. By the time they reach high school, by the time they go to college, it's something that you do. It's like brushing teeth in the morning. You save. Right. 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 Very habitual. How would they know if nobody ever told them, hey, it's a good idea to save money. Mm -hmm. And you know what happens? And again, I see it in my household. They start looking at their phone or tablet or doesn't matter where. And they like to see the numbers go up. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. again, it's a reward kind of mechanism without buying anything that, that they, okay, so now they want to do it more. Right. So how's the reward factor built into the, say, so, the, the features you're going to release later? So a few things. One, uh, we're, gonna, we're launching what we call a financial literacy score. It's a, it's a temporary name. I change. But what it is, it's, it's kind of a gauge that will tell you how you're doing and also will tell you what, what, what more you could do. Okay? Mm -hmm. And will reward you with, with money, with points that you can convert into money. Mm -hmm. will reward you for doing the right things. So think about it. Um, if I was a, a life insurance company and lots of life insurance companies actually do that, right? So if, if you lose weight, right. I'll, I'll, I'll reward you, right? I'll yep. send you some cash back. Mm -hmm. If you start running two miles, three times a week, mm -hmm. I'll reward you. If you stop smoking, I'll reward yep. you. Safe so drivers, yeah. Exactly, right. safe drivers. Mm -hmm. I reward you for good behavior. And that's the idea all, all, all around this is rewarding for good behavior. But see, those they can prove on an amortization table that that statistically, if you drive safely, it costs them less. How does how does Jasby fund because people are saving? Is it the interest earned? Is it the 
um, you know, the, the, you, you have a more buying power that you can actually, you know, use for merchants that you're trying to buy products from type thing. How, how does, how do you fund that reward system? It's a great question. So part of it is altruistic. So there is part of it that, yeah. you know, we, we social wanna... entrepreneurship. I mean, yeah, exactly. it's, it's for profit, yeah. but for good as well. Yes. Yeah. So there's, there's no shame in that. Right. But there is also, so I believe in the long-term relationship with, with our users. And Jasby is still a young company and our users are young. Mm-hmm. But every young person grows up and become older and companies mature as well. So I completely would want to see uh, somebody who joins us as a user family with a kid that is now in, I don't know, upper elementary or going into middle school and then high school. And then I hope we'll go with them to college. And then I hope we'll give them a small loan or the first adult credit facility or a small loan to buy their first car. So, you know, one of the things that are happening today is that kids stay home much longer, much later than they used to. They get married later, they have kids much later. So a lot of the things that, you know, they take mortgages much later. Mm Um, so I think there's a long period of time, even after they stop being kids or teens, and now they're young adults, that we can still um, serve them. And then if they act responsibly, and if I have a history with them where I know that they act responsibly, then it's a win-win, because I can offer them young adult financial services at a lower cost because the risk for me is lower. Exactly. You have a track record with them. Yeah. Of so I, I, I love the model. I lo- and I, I, let me, uh, let me go all shark tank on you here. So I'm, I'm Kevin O'Leary. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. I want to do a licensing deal. I mean, to me, it seems like that if I'm bank of America or if I'm chase or whoever the, the major players are out there in the market, if I see your model working well, I would want to either, emulate that and, and, and mimic it, or I would want to buy you and incorporate that into my offering of services. So where do you see, I mean, it, it's hard to compete with the big boys unless you're, unless you have a niche market that you're just, that they're ignoring or, you know, that you're, you're just, you're so unique that, that it's almost like you have the rebellion factor that people that don't want to deal with, with the big banks are going to come to you anyway. But so what, what do you see long-term for Jasby? I mean, is it a, is it a play that you, you fully intend it to be acquired or is it one of these that we're, you know, we're really just kind of operating over here on the side, hope that we don't get noticed by, by somebody that, you know, has, you know, a large amount of resources that can, that can kind of create a clone of what we're trying to do or um, a lot of questions in that in that little statement right there you you take it however direct whatever direction you want to take but there's so many th- thoughts or questions that come are in my mind right now i love the concept but what tell me what you're thinking as the founder as the leader of jasby so i think a few things i think one and uh, please bank of america don't don't come <laughs> You know, trying to. Or if you do, bring a big check. Exactly, but 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 don't come. Don't send anybody to uh, to beat me up. Um, so on, I think that if something that the big banks uh, have proven is that their ability to innovate is non-existent. For sure. So, okay. So 
if you're asking me if I'm worried that Citibank tomorrow morning is somebody's going to say, oh man, like we're going to do a jazz bee, <laughs> you know, come on. By the time they get it out of the committee and out of the budgeting process, I'll retire <laughs> into an old age yes. home. And I love it. Yeah. So I, I, that's not, that doesn't scare me. And um, one of the things that I, I, we see in the market, and that's, that's not me saying, that's people have written articles about it, is that the legacy banks have completely, um, they, they didn't manage to find a solution for the younger generation and so I, I tell you something and again I, I'm sorry if it's long-winded so you feel no. free to stop me you know for a long long time banks have been around since Marco Polo day mm -hmm. like seriously since the middle ages or the renaissance um, and they haven't changed that much so you know they, they they make us believe that they have but they really haven't and once every generation or two, they do something to make us feel better. So remember, I remember when I was young and my dad took me to a bank to open my, my first bank account. I was, a, I don't know, a senior in high school, something like that. And you would go into the branch and you would physically sign a bunch like never ending pieces of paper that who knows what was written there. And you, exactly. you sign and sign and sign. It was like 40 pages and they gave you another one and another one, but it actually made you feel very important, right? Mm. And that was for years. That was again. I'm I'm not that old. I'm 47. I still remember it. It's not like I don't know. Then they said, okay, we're gonna let you open an account, and you sign for these documents with the DocuSign. It's a huge, huge, you know, revolution. Right. But okay. So they managed to adapt to to the change, you know, from the boomers to the Ys to the Xs. I never remember the, the letters. Mm -hmm. But I think where they started missing were with millennials. Mm -hmm. Millennials hate banks, like mm -hmm. they hate them. Mm -hmm. I always go, there's a research that I read a few years ago, not that long ago, three years ago, that 70% of millennials would rather go to the dentist than to the bank. Okay, not, not a joke, it's really. Yeah. And I think where they miss even more is with the younger regeneration Z, regeneration alpha, which for the life of them, it's not even, you know, the, the opposite of love is not hate, is indifference. Mm. So millennials, they hate banks. Generation Z, so I can tell you again, my older son is 12 now. A couple of years ago, we were driving and we were passing near a branch of a bank and he asked me if we can one day, not, not, not necessarily now, but he asked me, can you once take me? And I was baffled. I asked him, like, why do you want to go there? Because it really, it was very strange. And he told me, I've, I've never been in one. Like, why, why, why what's, what's like inside? Like a museum. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's like bizarre. Why would you, what do you need it? <laughs> I've heard, so we had uh, one focus group that we had a teenage girl. I think she was 15 or 14 or something like that. That told us that, um, that, uh, uh, banks are like um, old people places and they smell. Seriously. So I think that there is a huge disconnect. And I think that the future banks as we know them will change. So one of the tricks that the banks have done is they convince us that financial services has to be provided by banks, mm -hmm. but they're really not. Right. So you can provide financial services. The fact that you're a bank or not is almost immaterial, so who right. cares, right? And this is what I try to do. So I wanna give financial services 
to the next generation, to generation Z, to generation alpha, why would they ever want to go to a bank? Who cares? Is it more financial education or financial services that you're really focusing on it's, providing? It's hand in hand. You can't do one without the other because right. I think one, one of the things that happened is that when you try and do financial education, financial literacy, it's normally, again, like how people, when the odd chance that they, anybody has ever actually tried to do it, it's always with some boring lectures, okay? Mm. So imagine I call my kids now into my office and I tell them, hey, boys, today we're going to talk about uh, cumulative interest. Five seconds before the eye, their <laughs> eyes glaze and they stop listening to me, right? Correct? It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And even if I force them, they're not going to remember. They're not going to care. Right. But what about if now it's your money in your pocket? It's very different, right? Because now it's important. Mm-hmm. And it's not just monopoly money. It's real money that you can use. You can go outside and buy something. You can buy a video game. So now you're interested, right? Because it's, it's, it's basic human psychology, right? I'm not just talking about something boring. It's okay. Here's 20. Yep. Yep. And now you pay attention. Right. Right. And it's, it's in the context that they can understand it as well. I mean, that yes. you're, you're, I mean, real time. So as, as we, uh, we're kind of wrapping up today, tell me a little bit about how, you know, what growth you've seen since you've launched, what, who's your specific target market? How are you reaching, you know, your, your ideal client base? Um, you know, what maybe some of the obstacles you've kind of overcome early um, just, just really kind of get a little more micro on the, on Jazby itself. So we've seen wonderful growth and, and a lot of people seem to react and respond to the message. They like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the debit cards are new. We just launched them around Christmas. So three months and, and we see thousands and thousands of cards. So that's, again, it's really encouraging. And so they're I virtual really... or they're real cards. So the, we focus on virtual, but mm-hmm. if you want one, we'll send you a, a plastic one. Uh, plastic one again, it's like it's it's like banks. It's thing for it, it, exactly. it's thing for old people. Yeah. But what we see, so look, there is a double-edged sword with Jazzy because we need the teenager, but we also need their parents, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of the parents would still be what I like. There's no plastic card. We need a plastic card. So the plastic card is more for the parents to be happy. Kids don't use it, they, they, or the teenagers, they use contactless. Mm-hmm. So again, plastic cards, and this is not me, this is the industry. Uh, five years from now, they probably won't exist. Mm-hmm. It's like cash, like whoever pays with cash anymore. So I, I get it. I still have $20 in my in my wallet. But when's the last time that I went to the supermarket and we paid with cash? Yeah, I don't know, over a year for sure. I don't know even, even then. Right. So... I'm not saying plastic card would completely disappear. They will exist, but 90% of people, 90% of the time would use contactless, right? Mm. The card will be like, as a, what happens if something bad happens? But people always tell me, what happens if I lose my phone? And I tell them, you know, you're more, more likely to use your card than to, to lose your card than to lose your phone. Yeah. And if you lose your card, you're not going to know this for a few days. If you lose your phone, you'll notice in five seconds. Immediately, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... So you, you, you can still do that. So we, we push the virtual. I think that's the way of the future. Mm-hmm. It's more secure. It's more, right. it's safer. It's better for kids. It's like completely the, the best solution. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think we're there and, and we need uh, patience and we need uh, more people to sign up. And how do we find people online? And it, this is, I mean, a, a kind of a push marketing campaign through 
Twitter, through Instagram, Facebook? What, what is your primary Google? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Google. And is there is it geographically focused? Is it primarily in the United Northeast? States? Okay, in the United States. Oh no no no! It's in the entire country. We have uh, we have users in every state, uh, but this is a U.S. U.S. play. This is right. U.S. and um, U.S. dollars only. With any idea that that it may ex expand internationally at some point in time? For sure, but um, you know. Let's get this done first. Let's, let's exactly. figure out the first market first. Exactly. That's, that's exactly right. Well, Benny, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you just kind of want to wrap us up with and then tell people where to where's the best place to find you and, and learn more about Jazby online? So one, thank you. It's been really nice talking to you. Um, find Jazby, just go to jazby.com. And again, Jazby spelled J-A-S-S-B-Y. Um, and you can sign up and try it out. By the way, it's free. Uh, we don't charge for the app. We don't charge for the cloud. I can tell you that we have some competitors uh, that still in 2021 charge you for uh, the, the pri privilege of, of using a cloud. So it's very 1984. Mm. Uh, with us, the, the card is completely free. We'll never charge you for the cloud. And you can use it as long as you want or don't want. Um, and so just go to jazby.com and give it a try. And if you don't like it, then, then stop using it. So is it a is it a full service bank? So I, I don't call it a bank. We're not mm -hmm. a bank, mm -hmm. um, but it's a full full service um, financial services um, hub, if you will, and it's really aimed at. So, look, uh, kids don't need uh, bill pay, right? They don't pay their utility bill, right? So, adapted to what our target audience needs. And is, is there, a, is there, are there features in it that they can like send money to each other? If like I'm my so, friend, I'm giving money to my friend, kind of a, it's, like a Venmo yes. type thing. So that's actually in our next release. Uh, it will be uh -oh. under parental Didn't mean control. To you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's under parental control. So parents will need to say if they want this or not. Hmm. Um, and another point, by the way, is that uh, parents need to know that uh, the money that, you know, they put into their kids' uh, spending account or allowance account we call it uh, is completely fdic insured so we actually park the money with uh, with banks mm -hmm. and uh it's completely fdic insured it's safe the same way that you would put it in your checking account or anywhere else right right i i i really do love the idea i can i i want to i want to get you back on in about six six to twelve months where you've launched like the jasmine you know e-coin the the block the e-currency <laughs> you know that that uh and the, the next iteration of what jasby is going to be but benny just thank you for just taking the time tonight and and really just sharing this your story and and the story behind jasby i mean what a great concept i'd encourage all of our listeners to go to jassby.com and and learn more about this great app and you know parents grandparents you know, help your kids learn financial literacy. It is so important and, and so underserved right now. But Benny, just thank you for just taking the time tonight and just really helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Appreciate your help. Thank you so much, man. Have a good night. Thanks. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.